This is Philip Meyer, welcoming you to another episode of Talking About Platforms. We present and discuss relevant discoveries from the field of platform research. Hi, I'm Daniel Trabucchi. In every episode, we have a guest sharing with us one of his or her latest papers on platforms to make it accessible for everyone. And with that, let's jump right into the conversation. So, welcome to a new episode of Talking About Platforms. As always, we have uh, an exciting guest uh, today with us. Hi, Llewellyn. Hello there, Philip. Hello, Daniel. Hi, welcome. And of course, as always, hi, Daniel. Who's uh, Llewellyn? Llewellyn Thomas um, is a, an associate professor of the practice of management of operations, information, and technology at the Business School, University of Navarra. His research, research interests lie in the uh, co-evolutionary process that leads to successful digital innovation and entrepreneurship. And what brings him to us is that he focuses on ecosystem creation, evolution, and dynamics in the digital economy context. Daniel, with that exciting guest, what would be your first question? You know, I only have one first question, and that's always the same for our guest. The title of our podcast is Talking About Platforms. And, you know, that's what brings all the people that come here together. We talk about platforms, but we do believe that the word platform is somehow misleading, meaning that not all of us are actually looking at platforms in the same way. So I kind of have a double first question. What is a platform to you? But even more interestingly, how you end up studying platforms? What brought you here? Okay. Yeah. Well, so Philip was busy reading off the ES website there. Okay. Um, but, uh, but okay. So how did I come on to platforms, right? Uh, well, what I'll do is I'll give you the bit of brief history of how I came on to researching them. Um, and then I'll sort of like give you a definition because that actually comes out of that story. Um, I'm not a career academic. I came in into this later in life. Um, as some of you probably noticed, I have an Australian accent. Um, and so I was, originally, I was born in Sydney, high school in Sydney, and did my first two university degrees in Sydney, the first one being economic geography and the second one law. So um, yes, yeah, so what you have here is someone who basically left university and became a lawyer. Um, and I, I basically traveled to the UK in 1996, 1997, worked as a lawyer for a while and rapidly realized that being a lawyer was not something that was going to be good for me. So I sort of like jumped into a small software company that sold software to lawyers. Um, and this, I was employee number two. There was four of us, the two founders and, and myself and one other sales guy and myself. And uh, this company... Uh, grew rapidly over the late 90s, over the dot-com boom. We weren't a dot-com. We, we sold enterprise software. We, we, you know, we actually had a proper stack. We weren't doing vaporware. But by 2002, 2003, we pivoted away from lawyers, and we were now basically selling um, software to 
basically, we were the major supplier of our software class, which was enterprise content management, to central and local government across the U- UK. And we had 110 employees thereabouts. I was on the board of directors. It's, you know, it, you know thing, thing, things are growing very, very well. So so I'd, I'd basically left this legal background and, and gone into enterprise software. Now, the company, it's, I, I did an MBA along the way. Um, uh, and then we were acquired by a Canadian multinational uh, that which was enterprise content management. You can see I'm using the word stack here and not platform, right? I mean, we called it a platform at the time, right? But this was an enterprise platform internally inside an organization. And this is not what we're talking about when we talk about platforms, right? Um, so this this company was NASDAQ listed. It was growing pretty quick. I did, did that for a couple of years. I was on the senior executive team for Europe, Middle East and Africa. I was basically product management, uh, product strategy. And then after a couple of years, I sort of like looked at my CV and went, mm, okay, li- lawyering doesn't count anymore. The startup stuff is good in context and working for a mid-tier Canadian software company. Okay, it's NASDAQ listed, but you know, it's not really that healthy, despite the fact we were growing very quick, quickly in Europe, Middle East, and Africa. So I left and uh, became a management consultant, joined um, Bearing Point, KPMG Consulting, specializing in financial services. And here I was, again, looking at enterprise class um, software installations across, you know, across basically uh, retail and commercial banking. Did, did did this for a couple of years, got married. And once I got married, um, my 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 wife was a better management consultant than I ever have been and I and I ever would be. She 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 was going great guns at Deloitte at the time and she she was rapidly moving up the ranks. She was uh, you know earning a mountain. So I just uh, basically said, okay, that's it. And I became an entrepreneur, went and founded, founded a couple of startups um and uh, and including a consultancy that provided information strategy services, um, predominantly to non-governmental organizations. Again, so working very much on enterprise class IT systems here, um, and, uh, and and also founded an e-mentoring platform. This was a true plat- plat- platform, which eventually was acquired by a, um, by a uh, trade, trade sale. Um, and then in 2009, I basically, I read this ad in The Economist that said, come and do a PhD at Imperial College. And uh, so I was looking at it and, and it said, you have to pick your topic. And it listed about seven different topics you could pick in your application to go and do a PhD at Imperial College Business School. And one of them was platforms. And I imagine it was there because Annabel Gower was on the faculty of Imperial College at the time, right? Um, so, uh, so, so I, I basically wrote this proposal. It was about two pages of looking back. It's utter garbage, but you know, wrote, wrote, wrote this two, two paid pages um, about platforms and you know, da 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 da, and I got accepted for the PhD program at, at <laughs> college. I was in fact the only person from this ad in the Economist that they actually took on the doctoral program. Apparently, they got lots of weirdos and strange people. Um, applying. Um, but um, so so I came on and Annabelle was actually on maternity leave at the time. So she was 
unable to be my supervisor. So I ended up with Erko Altio and um, David Gann, who was the head, head of the department at Imperial College at the time. And so that's how I came to, to be doing platforms, right? And that's actually how I ended up doing my first paper, which is the 2014 Academy Management Perspectives one, right? So basically, I arrived 2009 do, do, doing a PhD and the, the doctoral program at Imperial College at the time said, if you'll do, and this this was part of the program, you do a systematic literature review, right? This is actually to, to basically to kickstart new doc, doctoral students. And so I did, a, I, I did a systematic literature review on what's a platform, right? And that's what that two, 2014 Academy Management Perspectives paper is. It's my systematic literature review from when I started my, my PhD. So, so, um, so, and, and the definition that we use in that uh, is, is basically still the way um, I think about platforms. Now that paper gives all sorts of different definitions of platforms. It says you can have product platforms, you can have multi-sided markets, you 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 know the, it, it gives a whole variety of different ways of think thinking about them. Also introduces the idea of organizational platforms, which have had a bit of a renaissance recently in more the practitioner literature rather than the academic literature, the idea that an organization and not the technology, but the organization itself can be a platform. Um, so that's embedded in, in in that paper as well. Um, but so, but but the way I really define it is it's a shared uh, a bundle of shared assets um, where uh, uh, multiple sides can access basically to create value. So the key here is the shared assets. It can be an API. It can be a standard. It can be whatever, right? I mean, it can be, you know, but so it's it's a shared asset that enables innovation and val value creation from multiple parties. That's that's basically how I view it. So it's quite a quite a, a broad definition. Yeah. So let's let's uh, jump right in into our discussion about your paper, which is you already shared this in uh, in an earlier call. Uh, also part of your dissertation thesis, and I'm also happy to learn more about uh, that and and what what, what took it so long. Um, okay. But, yes. but before you jump in, let me let me quickly uh, say the the title. Um, the title is "Process of Ecosystem Emergence." Um, your co-authors are Echo Altio and David Gann. It's published in uh, in Technovation uh, in 2022. So, Llewellyn. What's the what's the paper about and 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 what took you? Uh, okay, well, I'll start by saying this is the data from my PhD, which I which I finished um, you know nine years ago. Uh, so uh, so it took quite a while to get this published, and and it's primarily due to the method. I mean, the, 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 so well, let me explain a bit what it is, and and then we can say right. So I mean, the paper hasn't. I mean, the key insights from the phd haven't changed at all but what has happened is the packaging and the way the way it's actually been presented has changed and a lot of that really comes down to the excellent editorial work of philip Tur turcher at, at technovation i've got a lot of respect for him as an editor and 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 he, he he did a really good good job in in helping shape this into what it is so like the, the key idea behind this paper and and actually the key idea of my of, of my original uh doctoral dissertation was are there regularities in ecosystem emergence? Do they all emerge differently? Do uh, uh, do they emerge the same way? I mean, what are the processes, right? Um, you know, how how do these things happen, right? Because they just don't appear full fully 
fully built, right? And uh, remember, so when the research was done, it was over 10 years ago. So all of the literature was just looking at existing ecosystems there. There was almost nothing on ecosystem creation. Okay, there was the chicken and the egg stuff from, you know, in on 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 the two-sided markets side. But 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 there wasn't really any ecosystem creation studies or emergence studies at all. So 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 this was the key idea. Where where do these things come from? So um, so so, base, so basically, uh, it, it it took a collective action lens, which this paper still still does. The original dissertation was more ov more overtly institutional collective action, you know, it, um, and so on. While you know, because you need to position it in a bunch of literature if you're doing a dissertation, right? While 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 this one is is somewhat more flexible in the in the theories it, it, it's calling and and also you have you know eight years of ecosystem research had given a body of ecosystem literature we could now call on to support some of the original ideas so so the key so the key idea is 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 basically ecosystems emerge through this through this collective process right i mean uh, they they so you've got the idea of the ecosystem blueprint, you know. So you see this in Ron Adner's work. There's this blueprint, and everyone fits it. But but you know, and and Erko uh, with Bruce Datty and Oliver Alexi had done had done this piece in in AMR a couple of years earlier, showing how how ba basically the ecosystem value proposition and prototypes had emerged over time. So so they were in the same sort of space, and 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 so the idea here was well, re really. Um, it's through a process of collective action, right? That the these things emerge, and, and from from pulling on the literature, we we identify four main types of processes that actually drive the emergence of ecosystems. So one is the value discovery process, right? So how I mean, basically, you just don't as ecosystems have this collective ecosystem value proposition, right? The platform owner just doesn't get there and say, hey, here we go, we're going to do it this way. There needs to be some sort of interaction with all of the complementers to collectively agree what value are we going to create and how are we going to deliver it and how is it going to be captured, right? So there's this value discovery dynamic that, that goes on, right? Um, so a, a second bunch of, um, of, of processes is, is the governance processes, right? And some pro some governance processes are top down, but then but then they weaken, and and some, some other governance pro processes are bottom up, and so on, right? But but there's these governance processes that, are, regardless of where they come from, right, that are part of the emergence of an e ecosystem. Then there's the resourcing of the platform itself, you know, you know. So basically, where does the technology come from? You know, what sort of APIs, boundary resources, technologies is it using? Scalability, da da da. Right. So, because the platform itself needs needs to function and provide the technical support to enable the complements to go forward. So there's a range of processes that that that, that, that occur there, and then there's the broader institutional um, legitimacy ang angle, which is that the platform and the ecosystem doesn't exist in isolation. You know, it actually sits in in broader in the broader economy. It sits in the broader society. So there's this process of contextual. Embedding, right? So, so we were able. I mean, these these four four processes. I mean, I actually derived institutionally back in the dissertation. But here, where where we're pulling on a lot of uh, subsequent e e ecosystem literature to 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 propose this collective bottom up creation process, and then so 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 then these 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 are the four 
types of processes you can identify in ecosystem emergence. And also from if, if you do a survey of the ecosystem literature, there's basically uh, three main stages of ecosystem um, emergence. There's basically launch, there's basically then momentum building, you know, the growth area and then there's sort of like a steady state right so so we, we raised so basically this was the theoretical context we looked at so then we said okay let's go and grab uh let's let's go and get data for this so we used amazon ebay facebook google and salesforce right so these were all quite successful platform e e ecosystems they were all they're all e internet native so there's a massive amount of doc documentation online archival data that you can pull um, to do to, uh, to do these um and uh, and basically they're all that they're all you know uh, well maybe not facebook now but but they're all uh, leaders right in 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 their respective spaces at the time of the case right so so it's a it's, it's a it's an archival study i i went and got thousands of I read books, press, press releases, media articles, you know, the histories of the companies themselves, you know, X, Y, Z. And, and, and I built basically uh, an incident list for each one, which, we've, which, which then became a, a series of events. So this is what happened over time. This is what happened over time. And, and so basically I, I built these event sequences for each of the five. And then I coded those event sequences. Was this event a value discovery event? Was this event a collective act, uh, a collective governance event? Was this event a platform resourcing event? So and and you could multi, you know, you could have two on on the same, right? So so then you're a, a, able to see a series of events that ha ha happens over over time. So then. So then the the first analysis was a frequency analysis. What's the proportion of events in launch? What's the proportion of events in in momentum building? And then what's the proportion of events? You know how how do they they they, they split in um in 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 more dominance mode once 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 the plat platform success you know it's it's it, it it's it's growing. And uh, we we found basically there were regularities. You know, absolutely, there's 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 regularity. So value discovery um, has an in, has a U U shape. There's lots and lots and lots of value, and this is common, right? Um, you know, this this is across all five. There's lots of processes of value discovery in the early stage, right? As it reaches momentum stage, as it starts to grow rapidly, value discovery drop drops off because basically they've worked out how they're going to create value, how they create value, and they're now focused on growing the ecosystem as much as possible, um, you know, to 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 collect that value. But what's interesting is once it's sort of like the ecosystem starts moving to a steady state, value discovery starts to 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 appear again as 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 processes and you can see this is sort of like moving into more aggressive value cap capture more, more negotiation about more aggressive forms of value capture and also starting to seek out new forms of value creation as well now we've done this how are we going to get more value sort of argument right so you have you have this u u shape um, in terms of plat platform resources, it basically just decreases over time, which is exactly what you expect. When the platform started, you need to pour resources into, you know, to make the platform, to 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 do the development, 
once you hit hit momentum, you've got the technical base there. You still need to be putting resources in, but it's now about scaling, right? So scaling and leveraging the platform is all about getting more than what you put in. So, 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 so basically that decreases. And of course, by, by the time you're getting to success, you know, the platform leverage has cut in hardcore by this time, right? Architectural. And, 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 and so you get this monotonic decrease over, over time of these. Um, contextually in, in embedding, you get an inverted U shape. Um, so basically, there's almost none during pla during pla platform ecosystem launch, which is what you'd expect, right? They're a startup. They're sitting there. They're not very well known, right? And you know, they're they're they're, they're you know they're basically trying to build and and kickstart the, the the network effects. But when you get to momentum, this is when you see all of the activity on 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 the legitimization of the platform ecosystem itself into the broad the broader economy, you know. And so, so this is where the media gets involved, analysts gets involved. I mean, you know, politicians can get involved, right? I mean, all sorts of stuff, right? And 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 so there's a huge explosion of this and then by the time you get to and and this is this is all about you know because often particularly these five cases we're looking at they were radically new at the time right so there was a lot of societal interest and excitement about the growth of these um and then by the time we get to uh you know sort, sort of, of like the dominance mode the interest tails off it doesn't tail off down to the low levels it was during launch but but you know interest tails off because they're now accepted they're part of the the, the current discourse in 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 society so the contextual embedding uh, fails off now interestingly enough where you see the most in interesting dynamics is the governance right and 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 this is to be expected in a way um so what we see is we do actually see on average an inverted u-shape right so governance is low at the beginning because basically there's not that many people there and you know not many participants and you got to do some stuff but you know you don't need to do much governance increases when you're going through momentum phase because you've got all of these people and transactions pouring in you need to 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 maintain more and then governance sorts to begins to fall off again so you get this inverted u-shape but this is where we get all of the variance with the cases, right? So there's very little variance on value discovery, platform resourcing, and contextual embedding across the cases. Those are pretty much standard sort 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 of process frequencies you see. But where you see that is this governance, because if it's a social platform, particularly where there's lot lots of consumer um, and and social interactions, the dynamics are quite different. You need to front load. A lot of your governance activity here, right? So, and 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 so this is is why why we see Facebook and eBay having to do a lot of governance at the beginning, right? Um, which then they get it right during the value discovery because, in a way, if you think about Facebook and eBay, part of the value discovery process is also working out how it's going to be governed, right? Because because it's social social in in, in interactions, and so their shape. Is 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 more U is more U shape. In contrast, Amazon and Salesforce 
actually have a monotonic increase over time. And what's interesting about these two is they were very, very tightly controlled, right? They were CEO founders who were technical people who just focused, focused, focused on control, 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 control. But the reason why governance increased over time was as their platform grew, as the ecosystem got all of these new um, participants, right, they needed to accommodate whole lots of different audiences that they hadn't accommodate before, which meant governance needed to shift. And this is not necessarily an easy thing. In, in, and, and, and so governance increases over time. So this this was the pattern that that the common pattern that we saw. Because there's actually these these common these 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 common um, activities. Now, what's really cool? So that was one of the set of analyses, which is pretty interesting, seeing how it goes, right? Because it really highlights the importance of governance and the nature of what you're actually what the value unit is inside the ecosystem. What you're actually transacting shapes the dynamics of how the thing emerges, right? So that's 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 quite an in, in, interesting insight. Um, and then and then we did another anal uh, another analysis, which which you can do because remember what remember what the data is. The day that the, the the data is just a string of this event, this event, this event, this event, this event, this event, right? So it's basically a pattern of of codes, right? So and that's analogous to say DNA. It is analogous to, say, someone's career pr pr progression. And so then we're able to use a tech te technique called called op optimal analysis, right? Um, so so um, so base so basically uh, what what we did, optimal matching, right? So so what we what you can do is you can say, how similar are these strings to each other? Yes, no, right? and And you can start start then then to look at the overall sequence of the events, right? So it's not just the frequencies. But it's the sequence of the events you 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 can look at. Now, normally these analyses are done with massive sample sizes because then you, you you basically you compare one sequence with another and you get a number, right? And the number says you're either similar or or not. It gives you a distance measure, right? So normally when you do these analyses, you have a massive sample so that you can get all of these distance and then you can do clustering, right? And you can say these ones are similar, these ones are here. Yeah. So and this is how op, how optimal matching is normally done. It's done with a class clustering and now like with a large sam sample and then a clustering analysis afterwards to identify different types of sequ sequences. But we couldn't do this. I, well, I, I couldn't do this with this paper because there's only five cases. So what, what we did was I, I took the sequences and I randomized all of the order of the um, of the codes, right? 10,000 times. So I created 10,000 randoms, right? For, for, for each one. And I said, given that this is what random looks like, what is the likelihood that this is a random, the, the existing one is actually random, right? Um, and, and we're able to show that act, actually this 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 varies over over time and we can say in the first stage right the sequence of events you know val, value discovery da 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 they're all in general similar right so regardless of what sort sort of platform you you are the 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 the, the, the actual sequence of events is similar which makes sense right they're startups <laughs> they've got an idea they got to get money you know they got to go right so, i mean it, it intuitively makes sense right however once you hit momentum stage the sequences start to become a lot more diff diff 
different. And this would make sense. They all have different modes of value discovery. They, you know, so we start to see differences appear, appearing. And then when you get to, to the dominance phase, right, um, you know, there's this argument, the institutional argument of, well, given that they're all platforms and they're all, you know, um, dominance, they might be dominant in the same way, you know, uh, but this is not what you see. They actually keep on getting different over, over time. So so this was one of the uh, uh, other insights. Basically, processes start to change, uh, start the same, but as the thing emerges, as the platform ecosystem emerges, they get progressively more and more different and their dynamics get more and more different over time. So that's what the paper is all, is all about. And uh, we're hoping that that provides a really nice sort of like um, uh, launching point for lots of future research because there's so many other aspects for this that pe people can can build on. There's 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 the collective act, action, bottom up collective action approach. How do these value, you know, how do these collective value propositions get developed and so on? There's there's the focus on governance, right? Governance is key. I mean, we're seeing that in the current literature now, right? But but you know, this really says, look, governance really is important, and and it's actually the type of value unit that's being transacted that actually drives the sort of governance that you need need to have, and it and it, and it also has quite important managerial implications that says you can't copy existing platforms, right? I mean, right? The best practice is probably worse practice, right? I mean, in in in, in situations like this, right? There's there's managerial you know attention needs to change across the phases because different things become more important and you get you, basically for the emergence of platform ecosystems it's all about understanding your dynamics it's not copying what anyone else does so i think there's lots of uh, research opportunities there well i understand why it, it, it took so many time to to actually end up it's it's actually not a paper right? it's it's some papers <laughs> well yeah <laughs> Yes and no. Look, look, at its core, Daniel, the, the reason why we had so much trouble getting it through and, and was it's descriptive. I mean, it, there is a frequency analysis, there is a free frequency yeah. analysis, and then and 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 then then there's the the optimal matching, which is descriptive, right? So yeah. uh, so the challenge was trying to take this descriptive method, right, and packaging it in a way yeah. where the story could be transmitted, which I think we've done. And I, I, again, I'm going to hat tip the editor of Tech 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 Innovation, who did an excellent job in. Um, you know, uh, I think the way in which you were summing it up in the end uh, uh, with the managerial implication is is really key, is what I always uh, um, repeat when, when I'm teaching more than doing research in, in the field of platforms, saying, uh, you know, we can look at the great big platforms to understand how they work, to understand the mechanisms, to understand many interesting things, but we cannot believe that another Airbnb can be created doing what Airbnb did. Each platform, it's peculiar. Each platform has its own characteristics. And, and what you are saying in, in the final sum up, I think is super interesting. I think it's super interesting also the way in which you were highlighting these four different dimensions. And I'm particularly interested in one of them because it's, it's the one I've done most research on, which is the, uh, the value discovery phase. One of my, you know, usual sentence is platforms need an overall value proposition as a platform, but they also need specific value propositions for each side, for each group of customers that, you know, otherwise they are not engaged. They are not there. They are not mm -hmm. actually seeing a meaning 
in being uh, in the platform. And I always uh, took it from a sort of design perspective, a complex problem design perspective, but more from, from uh, with a design standpoint. While you are taking this emergence view, so I was wondering, would you like to tell us something more, maybe also using an example of one of the cases you were mentioning on how you've seen this value on one side emerging and on the other evolving through the various uh, through the various phases? So, so that, I mean, that's, that's, that, that's an interesting comment, right? So, so I personally think this is one of the really interesting things, this, this collective val- value discovery dynamic, right? Because, and, 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 and this is actually ongoing work I have with Parvo re- retailer, right? Because, because, um, you know, Parvo and I have our ecosystem legitimacy emergence, right? But that's really looking at the contextual, right, side, to to a degree and some of the firm firm internal a lot of the a lot of the legitimacy of platform emergence platform ecosystem emergence and ecosystem uh, emergence generally comes down to these proof points uh, of value creation of value being delivered and it's of value being delivered not only to the platform owner but also to the participants the complementors, right, as well as the the consumers as well. So it's it's all of the sides, right? Um, and 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 so so and and this is not something you can know in advance, right? And this is, I mean, these four things are, are also interrelated because governance and, and see governance in platforms is not driven by. Um, contracts, right? When they say it's a non 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 contractual, non hierarchical thing, what they're actually saying is it's role based, right? Governance in platform ecosystems is role based, and what that means is is you when you sign a contract, because there's still contracts there, you're signing a contract saying I will be a developer or I will be a user, um, and 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 those contracts do not tell you what you what you have to deliver or what you have to do. They tell you. The basically the size of the sandbox you're allowed to play in on that plat on on that platform, right? So so role definition is key, right? What roles does 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 everyone have? And you see this on eBay, right? So eBay was profitable from the get go, right? And there was this massive and and which is why it shows a slightly different platform resourcing pro profile than the other because they didn't have to go and get money the only reason why they went to vvc was basically to get the vc tick in the box they didn't need it um and so what you see there is this value discovery right it was like okay well we're going to be buying and selling stuff here but how do we do this right so they invented you know reviews and escrow and you know i mean obviously these ideas were already known right but they needed to collectively agree that we're going to have a scroll and we're going to have reviews and we're going to have stars and we're going to have all this sort of stuff and this is your role as a buyer this is your role as a seller this is your you know and, and that, that right and so you can really see in the early stages of ebay right this back and forth and arguments and the reason why it was so dynamic was pierre omedia who founded ebay basically said i don't want to manage this thing yeah oh no so he basically handed all governance out to the community from the very beginning right so he and 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 so you actually see on all of the on all of the boards because back then there was bulletin boards 
right? Um, you, uh, it wasn't even wikis when that was founded, right? You see on 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 all, on all of their discussions these 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 massive dis- uh, back and forth about it needs to work this way. No, it needs to work this way, and this is all about value discovery, right? Um, but given that it was social to an extent as well, there's there's also a governance aspect in there as well, and you could act, you could actually track it. I mean, I, I I did to an extent, but I was doing a comparison rather than a deep deep dive. Maybe that's something else to do. But yeah, very interesting stuff. And and I, I also think that the value discovery stuff, right? This bottom-up approach, right? It's it it goes to legitimacy, right? Which is why I introduced the 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 I, I well the, the, the paper with, with Pavo, because the without legitimacy, no one's going to believe that you're going to create value, right? But at the same time, right, you're not going to be able to create value. And agree what the value dimensions are unless you are le- legitimate, right? Um, and in, in fact, in the paper, the way we actually explain that is we actually say it's a bit like the era of ferment in dominant design, right? Um, where there's this, um, you know, where there's this two or you know, where where there's this two or fro, right? Back 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 and forth prototyping. Does it work like this? you know, early discussions on how things should should go. And and then sort of like, I mean, although I don't want to use dominant design theory here because because <laughs> I mean that's a bigger deal, right? But 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 some of the similar ideas at a different level of analysis are going on here, right? There's this era of ferment and then sort of like they coalesce around a value blueprint, to be one of a better word, which then drives the next the next stage. Yeah. You know, you're actually citing one of my favorite theories ever, which is the dominant design theory. I think it was the very first thing I read uh, um, beside the two-sided market literature. And a couple of years ago, we actually wrote a, a piece of paper, a small piece of paper, with uh, um, aiming to see even how that theory could actually be applied uh, let me say broadly speaking in the digital world that paper is not directly on platforms even though it is studying social medias and we are taking mainly this innovation of meaning lens so the reason why you use uh, a certain function or a certain service rather than uh, um, the actual function itself and what we end up finding there is that moving from the product from the pure technological product to the uh, to a digital service uh, to a digital service enabled by a platform or whatsoever the era of ferment becomes much more vivid to a certain extent and somehow you get to a dominant design but uh, the point is very unstable in comparison to the product dimension because on the same platform you end up having a numbers of different eras of ferment all together that end up to dominant design that looks stable in the short term but might be not so stable i think it was highly connected with the field because it was the social media and I guess it's one of the platforms area in which the vast majority of uh, players are actually 
how can I say it nicely, taking a lot of inspiration by the competitors pretty often. And so you see all these lines going together, somehow in the same direction, somehow actually innovating. I'm thinking about, just to be concrete, I'm thinking about Snapchat introducing something that looked like the stories that then moves to Instagram being sometime, somehow reinterpreted and then going to Facebook, to WhatsApp and basically all the platforms, LinkedIn as well, but actually not being really used. But they are there among many other uh, functions. And I, I've i never really looked at this study through the lenses of this value discovery, but I think there is a... Um, there are a lot of touch points because many values emerge, sometimes driven by the competitors, sometimes driven by the company, sometimes driven by the users. And they tend to coexist once the platforms actually emerged and, and it's big and, and, and relevant. What do you think? Well, do you want me to tell you the truth, right? The original three theories I used to build these categories were dominant design, institutional entrepreneurship and social movement theory right all three are theories of collective act action right and and all and and the three of them approach collective action from a different way right so so social movement theory is how do you actually get all all of the participants on board right institutional entrepreneurship focuses at the focuses on the role of the orchestrator themselves how do they shape the the environment in which they're in and dominant design theory focuses on how does people collectively agree a technological architecture? So it focuses on the platform. And so actually I use all three theories in my dissertation. In this paper, we we hint at dominant design here and there, right? But we stripped mo most of it out. Um, similarly, for for the um, uh, the uh, ecosystem legitimacy emergence paper with Pavo, um, that had dominant design as one of the three theories in it, because that's one of the chapters from my dissertation, just rewritten and update, uh, up, updated, but we stripped out all of the dominant design on the, all of the dominant design literature on request of the reviewers, right? So I, so I think your intuition here, right, that dominant design has something to say in the digital age is absolutely valid. I actually think it's still valid in the broader sense of look, looking at ecosystems too, right? Particularly platform e e ecosystems, because there's got to be some sort of collective agreement on this is what the technological architecture is going to be, right? Um, and 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 I think that will be like a sliding scale. From one end, the really closely controlled proprietary, right? There's not going to be much of a dominant design sort of argument going on here, right? So look at Salesforce. But if you go right to the open source, completely to the other extreme, that is going to be a dominant design sort of collect, collective agreement on this is what the architecture of what the product is going to be. Now, dominant design literature is at the industry level. It's not at the individual product level, right? So we we have to be very, 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 very clear on that. But to go to your point more generally on social media, I think you're absolutely right. For instance, the arrival of the feed. Once the feed arrives, everyone copied the feed. And that and 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 it wasn't just the technological provision, it was us as users, well, not me, because I don't use so social media, but 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 the users, right, then it took the feed as this is how these systems work, right? So there was a collective agreement on this is what the ar architecture of the product is. But as you rightly said, these things move quick. And I and what I think it is, is I don't think. I think it's due to the nature of the malleability and inherent flexibility of digital technology. 
as compared to the real world, right? Once you agree a dominant design for, for like a car or for like a widget or something, right? There's manufacturing, there's production, there's supply chains, there's all this stuff that needs to happen, right? And so you get this huge amount of uh, specialized assets, co-specialized assets, this huge investment, right? Which makes moving from it, it adds an inertia into that dominant design, and then it sticks forward, go, going forward. In the digital age, you don't get that same level of investment. You don't get the same level of co-specialization. Um, you, uh, and, and so that's why I think you see this cycle that's faster, right, go, going forward. Does that align with, with your sort, sort of thoughts? Yeah, it is. It is absolutely, um, and it, it's true what you are uh, what you are saying. I was mainly referring to dominant design from a company perspective, but we actually studied it from the industry perspective. That's why we we only studied social medias there. Uh, I think there's, you know, when you move to the platform, everything becomes become naturally more complex mm. because you have multiple customers. And this is uh, uh, making all the theories, all the views, all, all the models we used to know in the in the linear world even more interesting, but more complicated. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where where I see a, a dominant design emerging in your in your study, and as a as an interesting case, a Salesforce, not really about the the product, but about the the business model, so to say, right? Mm -hmm. the, the software as a service introduction to business to business is something I think uh, Salesforce was very um, early in, in, in doing that. Um, and I see in your, in, in your paper that the number of codes on collective governance in the Salesforce case is almost twice the size of the second highest number for any other code category in any other case. Um, and you mentioned the, uh, the introduction of the trust.salesforce.com to like build trust as one of the core activities that um, led to entering into a, a stable uh, stage three for, for the company. Um, I study mainly business-to-business -business, uh, companies and uh, business-to-business platforms. So I'm not super surprised by this huge number of activities that uh, the platform had to um, enter into to form a, a collective um, a governance or to, to, uh, to come to a point where, where something like a collective governance is formed. But I would like to, to yeah, ask you for elaborating a bit more on how you think Salesforce across stages, maybe also across um, the different dimensions um, stand out for you as a as a B2B platform compared to the the consumer facing uh, platforms. Okay, okay, so so I mean that's that's interesting, right? So so because Salesforce is not a platform from the get go, right? So nor nor is Amazon for that matter, right? But they're very different beasts, um, and so he fails because basically say, um, Salesforce was just basically a service, right? With with one side, nothing, nothing more. And it was act, and and then then they enabled customization slowly over time. And then they realized, well, if they want to customize, why don't we just let third parties do this, right? 
and they introduced app exchange right and and and, and so what you have is you have this gradual pressure from the customers we want more customization we want more customization and then then they just sort of like slowly opened and of course as they opened the I mean, they had a normal, you know, website basically that you click buttons and you put data in, and then as they opened, I mean, the complexity just exploded, right? And 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 they had so much they needed to do um, to to be able to do this, right? So there there was this, and and so that's why you see it. So B B two B is very very is very very different, but the amount of control that they had at the beginning was very very high, right? And they, they and that the reason why you see so many codes there is because they were trying to maintain control as they were op opening and so all sorts of stuff happened right i mean uh, so 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 that's that's i mean that's why we we generally see that emergence now what's interesting is i've written a paper on salesforce particularly on its ecosystem emergence which is with julia sneer and rob and rob, robert bergelman where where we look at the disrupt you know we look at framing so we don't actually look at the technological aspect we look at how Salesforce actually presented itself to the world. And we use the same data, by, by, by the way. Um, a great case of reusing your PhD data for another paper. Um, so, um, and, uh, and, and, and there, we, we, it's called the disruptors gambit. And we we're able to show, you know, that Salesforce was fighting against Siebel and Oracle and massive beasts, right? And as you said, they introduced a new software as a service business model that was radically new, right? I mean, no one had seen this before. They, when when they actually IPO'd, right, the SEC took a long time to approve their IPO because they'd never seen a business model based on subscription before, right? And and, and so they actually legitimized subscription-based software as a service for the capital markets, right? So, so it's a very, very interesting. So, how they um, presented themselves, and, and we show in this, we show in this paper, and this is part of why you got all these codes there, right? Is they were saying one thing, and then they're adjusting their business model all the way, right? So, as feedback came from partners, as feedback came came from others, they would then adjust their mess messaging, and similarly, they would adjust their business model on on on. Underneath, and what makes Salesforce so so interesting is they basically arrived and said software is dead, no software. Um, you know, ba ba basically the world has changed. Um, we're out to destroy you, Siebel. We're out to destroy you, Oracle. Right, which which is why we called it the disruptors gambit. Right, because normally the startups quietly in the background and builds momentum and then sort of like disrupts the. The, um, the incumbent, but in this case, Salesforce basically announced their intention from the very beginning, right? Um, and then they needed to maintain this narrative of disruption and this business model transformation underneath to do it. So that's 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 a paper with uh, which with, where, where we discuss that where we discuss that dynamic. In that case, we're not really focusing on the platform, really. We're focusing on the business model and the broader business e e ecosystem. You know, so we're looking at analysts, we're looking at media, we're looking at how they interacted with the competition as well as their customers, as well as their um, com complementers as well. You know, and you know, this I've got to say, the Salesforce data just keep keeps on giving. Um, I, I got another book chat chapter out of it as well. Um, <laughs> that's not a case. That's a platform for people. <laughs> so, 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 because sales, Salesforce is just, and I've got two. I've got two chapters where I use the Salesforce data as exemplar. They, they uh, well. 
It's, so, uh, I, I told you, you wrote a paper that, that could actually be discussed and, and, and cut from so many different perspectives that we could stay here for another hour. I think our time for this episode is running out. Uh, we may not only invite you in the next season, but even do another episode on the same paper. I think we could still have. Well, I don't know. I've got to say, I've got some really cool stuff coming out on so okay that's my question that's my question yeah, yeah. what's happening what do you see in the field of plastic? okay so well um so richard t and i um basically did some work in generativity we were at aom a couple of years ago and you know we went to a presentation and, and you know, they were saying generativity this and, and we just said what is this generativity you know what is it right so 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 we went we went and did a systematic literature review you might notice i quite enjoy doing systematic literature reviews and uh and I ended up doing a paper on generativity where, where we delve the IS literature, the management literature, basically all of management literature to show the dynamics of generativity. So that's one bit where Richard and I are, are, are working hard and, and, and driving forward. Uh, and there's like a spin-off paper with Aya Lipanen where we're doing an empirical piece on generativity in blockchain. So dApps, right? So the idea of distributed apps, where, where basically rather than have a centralized platform, which the apps work off, blockchains, particularly the public blockchains, are essentially decentralized plat platforms. And then you have all of these what are called dApps on the top. So I and I are doing an empirical piece look, looking at that um, and uh, seeing if network effects are the same, what's, what, you know, what sort of dynamics do, do, do you see there? So I've got a bit of work working on the generativity uh, with Pavo Ritala, Kim Okahu, and uh, Miko Heiskala, where we're looking at complementarities and neck effects, right? So, and the really cool thing is here, particularly in platform ecosystems, when people talk about complementarities, what actually are they talking about, right? And so Michael and Anna, Annabelle and Carmelo have done the piece where they got complementarities of consumption, com complementarities of production, which, 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 which is a nice, nice paper and provides some clar clarity, but it's still still doesn't clarify, in our, in, in our opinion, doesn't clarify it as much as it could, because this is the deal, right? This and so, and we've got a finished paper we're just submitting at the moment. There's two sorts of complementarities in plat platform ecosystems, and they are conflated, and they're regularly con con conflated. The first is what we call vertical complementarities, and this is the complementarity between the platform and the complements, right? So you need to work on the platform, and that's what generally everyone talks about when they talk about complementarity, right? The complements are complementary to the platform. But in this paper, we point out that there's horizontal complementarities. For instance, two apps on a platform can work together, right? And they are complementary to each other. So you can have portfolio complementarity. OneDrive works with Word, works with PowerPoint, works with mm, right? Um, so you could have a portfolio of products, but then you could have ad hoc complementarity fitting together. Google Maps works with Uber, works with Chung Chung, right? So you can have standalone. So in platform ecosystems, there's actually two sorts of complementarities going on. There's the vertical, which we're getting to know a lot about, but we know a lot less about these horizontal complementarities and the role they play in network effects, governance, value creation, generativity, 
um, and 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 basically and 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 all and all and and, and all of these bits, right? So now I, I will say that um, Ra, Rahul Rahul Kapoor and Shiva Agarwal have done some work in this place, and they have a recent paper in Ugsai where they touch on this and they start to do some empirical work, but it's not systematically explained, right? I mean, they they have the idea in in that that that. That that, that 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 paper, but it's not fully there. So that's some interesting work we've got coming because we're because 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 the four of us are working on not just what's the conceptual piece of complementarities, but we're also looking at what does this mean for our understanding of network effects? Because it actually, I mean, complementarity is what drives network effects. But if there's two sorts of complementarities, what does this mean on a modeling perspective? What does this mean for our 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 for the industrial economic way of thinking about two-sided markets, if complementarities are not what they seem, right? So we're del we're delving into that go going forward, and then of course there's lots of work with Yulia Sneer on framing, which is coming through. So so you know so lots of exciting stuff on the horizon. Very cool. Yeah, that's what what I was about to say. Lots of exciting stuff on the horizon. Yeah, Llewellyn, it was it was a blast uh, having you. I very much enjoyed it, but I have to say that I definitely have to listen to the episode myself again to really digest and <laughs> uh, and and uh, get out all the all the insights that that you shared with us. If our listeners want to follow your work or maybe even get in touch because they come up with a question or uh, want to comment on 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 your work, um, you said that you're not active on social media. What are what are okay. other ways to to follow your okay. work. So look, basically I'm on re, re, ResearchGate. All of my research is there, so you can get it there. Um, and you can just search search for me on um, on uh, Google Scholar and everything's there. And then and then if you want to email me, just email me. My, you know, I, absolutely, I, I reply to everyone. I talk, I talk to everyone because you always learn something new <laughs> from talking to someone new. So uh, open to comments, suggestions, in, in, in insights, always. Wonderful. Yeah, then only thing I can say is thank you so much. Very much uh, looking forward to talking about upcoming work again. And yeah, it was very great having you. Well, thank you very much for inviting me. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you, Philip. Thank you for listening to this episode of Talking About Platforms. To support our work, you can rate the episode or leave a comment on your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to hit the follow button so you don't miss out to the coming episodes. If you want to look up at the papers we have discussed or other topics we addressed, visit talkingaboutplatforms.com. There you can find the show notes and get in touch with us. Until next time, when we're again talking about platforms.